Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Troubling signs of Russian escalation. Ukraine beginning to grip down. An invasion could begin at any time. American citizens should leave now. Things could go crazy quickly. Trucker protests. They are blocking off and choking the economies of both the United States and Canada. These inflation numbers. Highest spike in prices in 40 years. It's the Super Bowl. There won't be any wardrobe malfunctions. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is Friday's edition of News and Views. And, uh, you know, it's a sad commentary, but you have to ask the question. When you look at what's happening at the Ukraine border with Russian soldiers, and there's, there's no doubt something is going on, but... Today, D.C. came out, the Biden administration came out, uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan came out and issued a stern warning. The president said, you know, if you're an American citizen, you need to get out of there. Uh, but, but you need to take a deep breath and you need to ask yourself, OK, consider the source. Now, I, I have no inside information, but all I can tell you is. You're looking at an administration that has screwed up everything since they got into office. Everything. Their polling numbers are terrible. I mean, some have said this. I, I'm I'm 67 years old, so I haven't lived under that many presidents. But uh, people that have studied this more than I have said that Joe Biden has had the worst first year presidency in the history of the United States. And we've had some bad ones, even in my lifetime. I mean, it's pretty hard to beat Jimmy Carter, but uh, Jimmy Carter's going to send a large gift to uh, the Biden family because he's no longer the biggest screw-up. It's Joe Biden. And you have to ask yourself the question. I mean, look at all the things leading up to where we are today. Do you have a lot of faith in this administration? And uh, when you say that, you've got to ask yourself, uh, it's unfortunate. It is very unfortunate. And I don't, I, I don't, this doesn't come across as joking. It's, it's unfortunate. It's dangerous. But you've got to ask the question, is this a dire situation? Are we on the brink of a war? Or is this another wag the dog? And listen, I, again, you say, you know, they came out today, the, the Pentagon came out today saying they're going to send 3,000 paratroopers from the 80, uh, 82nd Airborne Division to Poland in coming days. Uh, these are guys and gals right from here in North Carolina at Fort Bragg, the 82nd. Quote, at the direction of President, the President's Secretary Austin today ordered to Poland the remaining 3,000 soldiers of the 82nd Airborne Infantry uh, Brigade Combat Team based in Fort Bragg. These troops will depart Fort Bragg over the next couple of days. They're expected to be in place by early next week. The group, the second batch of soldiers being sent to Poland, will join the 1,700 soldiers that are there and key enablers that Austin ordered there on February 2nd. Nearly two-thirds of the soldiers have already arrived, the official said, noting that they are commanded by Major General Christopher Donahue, all told, these 5,000 additional personnel compromise a highly mobile and flexible force 
capable of multiple missions. The official added they are being deployed to reassure our NATO allies, deter any potential aggression against NATO's eastern flank, train with host nation forces, and contribute to a wide range of contingencies. They will report to General Todd uh, Wolters, commander of the U.S. European Command. The official said the additional deployments are temporary in nature and are meant to supplement for a brief time the more than 80,000 U.S. troops already in Europe on rotational and permanent orders. Now you ask yourself, say, wait a minute, Lamprecht, that sounds like some pretty serious stuff and uh, at a pretty high price. I mean, that's, this is not something you would do glibly or lightly or inexpensively to do all this. But back up again. Back up again. How many billions of dollars on a probably a weekly basis is it costing us for the tens of thousands of people coming across this porous border? How much money did we flush down the toilet when we left Afghanistan and military armament? I mean, the, the military armament that we left in Afghanistan could be fighting this war over in Ukraine. So, I mean, don't, don't look at this and say, well, you know, this is, you know, they're taking some pretty serious steps here, Tom, for you to say that uh, this could be a wag the dog. I don't know that it's a wag the dog. And I don't, and listen, there's other information here. Uh, I'll get to it in a second from Tom Rogan, who writes for the Washington Examiner. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what he said. Uh, he said that uh, Putin has not yet ordered Ukraine invasion, but new indications suggest it is imminent. There are new and significant indications that Russian military invasion of Ukraine is imminent. And again, I trust Tom Rogan. He's a sharp guy, very conservative. But he lists these things as reasons why possibly it is imminent. One, movement by Russian military forces toward positions closer to the Ukrainian border and um, uh, uh, with lines up with Western intelligence concerning regarding possible attack routes. Um, he also says unexpected alterations to Putin's schedule and escalated command meetings by the most senior elements of the informal National Security Council. Uh, also escalated alert status on the part of Russian military and diplomatic facilities globally and significant escalation traffic along encrypted Russian military communication networks. Now, again, I don't know where Tom Rogan gets his information. I don't know if he has a special conduit from which he has information that he trusts. And he is saying as well, there's no guarantee this is going to happen, but there are some things that if this information is true, it looks like it could be around the corner, perhaps. But again, since when do liberals care about what something would cost? Earlier today, this afternoon, around 2 o'clock, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan issued a stern warning to Americans in Ukraine. If you're over there, you need to, take, you need to get out of there. Sullivan refused to comment on unconfirmed reports that Putin had communicated to Russian military. Now, Tom Rogan has said, from what he understands, that Putin has not given the order yet. But there's a lot of things going on, a lot of buzz going on that would indicate that they're ramping things up. Echoing similar warnings from the United Kingdom and European Union, Sullivan urged any Americans in Ukraine to leave as soon as possible, the next 24 to 48 hours, because the risk is high enough now and the threat is now Im uh, immediate enough. More, ominous, uh, um, more importantly, Sullivan told U.S. citizens, if you stay, 
you're assuming risk with no guarantee that there will be any opportunity to leave and there is no prospect of a U.S. military evacuation to retrieve Americans. Well, even if there was the prospect of U.S. military helping with an evacuation out of Ukraine, this administration doesn't exactly have a stunning track record, can you say, Afghanistan. Sullivan warned of aerial bombing and missile attacks as well as a rapid assault on the city of Kiev and in other areas of the country, in addition to a ground invasion that would involve an onslaught of massive force. Here is... National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan from earlier today. I want to be crystal clear, though. Uh, we are not saying that a decision has been taken, a final decision has been taken by President Putin. What we are saying is that we have a sufficient level of concern based on what we are seeing on the ground and what our intelligence analysts have picked up uh, that we are sending this clear message. And it remains a message that we have now been sending for some time. And it is, yes, it is an urgent message because we are in an urgent situation. But just to yes. clarify, so you now believe that Russia has all the forces it needs to mount a full-scale invasion of Ukraine? What I'm saying is that uh, Russia has all the forces it needs to conduct a major military action. I'm not sure exactly what you mean by, quote, full-scale invasion. But Russia could choose, in very short order, to commence a major military action against Ukraine. We're firmly convinced that the Russians, should they decide to move forward with an invasion, are looking hard at the creation of a pretext, a false flag operation, something that they generate and try to blame on the Ukrainians as a trigger for military action. And we are calling that out publicly because uh, we do believe that if Russia chooses to do that, they should be held to account the world should not believe uh, that a false flag operation that they conducted uh, is a legitimate causes belli for going into Ukraine. Now, while that's going on, Joe Biden hopped on a helicopter and went over to the presidential retreat at Camp David. Now, I, I, I realize it's, you know, that's in Maryland. It's probably... You know, hop on the helicopter and get there in, I don't know, 20 minutes. I mean, it's close by, granted. But it doesn't exactly, I mean, you wouldn't exactly think that that's where you're going to, you know, you're going to go to the presidential retreat as Russia is getting ready to invade Ukraine. Would you not think you'd want to be right there in the situation room figuring out what's going on? Now, listen, I am, um, I, I'm not saying that we need to get involved in this. I'm, I'm not saying that we, you know, we, we need to be over there and we need to put our men and women in harm's way. I don't think we should. Unfortunately, um, I, I, look, just look at history. Look at history over the last 100 years. When there's weak leadership at the top, that's when the despots decide to invade a country. And uh, we see Russia and we see China, both looking like Russia into Ukraine and China into Taiwan. Uh, the other thing, too, is they're talking today about the president attending the Super Bowl on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, so while you have Jake Sullivan talking about how, you know, this, this attack on Ukraine is imminent— You've got Biden heading out to Camp David and thinking about going to the Super Bowl. He's uh, already done his pre-Super Bowl interview with Lester Holt of NBC. Who knows what he talked about on that? Anyway, I, uh, 
I mean, pray for those people in Ukraine. It is very sad. I mean, these are fellow human beings. Uh, many of them have tasted freedom out from underneath the Soviet Union, and they like it, and they're willing to fight for their country. You know, but it's sort of weird. A lot of these people, you know, the, the middle-aged to older folks, you know, they grew up in a Ukraine that was under Soviet rule. So they, they remembered what it was like. And now they're turning around and they're going to have to, I mean, there was, there, there was a story on the news the other night about a guy whose dad was one of the big wigs in the Russian military. And now he very well might have to be fighting against that same military that his dad served for when Ukraine was part of Russia. It is, uh, I mean, say, say, say a prayer that Putin would... Uh, back off. But uh, again, you know, when, when we look weak, that's when they're going to move. Five six one eight two five five. David on Ukraine. Hey, David, how are you, sir? I'm just fine. How are you today, sir? Uh, hanging in there. Well, little history lesson, especially concerning false flag operations. Mm-hmm. There's two kinds of false flag operations. There's the one where you get people in the country, oh, please help us. Our government's horrible. Please come in. They're abusing us, and the next-door neighbors come in. Right. The other one, and talk about history repeating itself, is where you send in operatives. The Russians send in operatives, Russian troops, in Ukrainian uniforms. And they will either stir the pot in the Ukraine, which is unlikely, or they will attack out side of the Ukraine and into either Russia, the Crimea, or Belarus. This happened before, uh, I think it was August of 1939, some SS operatives dressed up in Polish uniforms and attacked a German radio station, killed everybody there. That was the pretense that Hitler took. To go into Poland. Poland. Yeah, that started World War II. Right. Okay, now... About the Ukrainians, when when Germany invaded Russia, the toughest troops they faced were Ukrainian troops. And a lot of Ukrainian units pretty much mutinied lock, stock, and barrel and went over to the Germans. And of all the foreign people that fought for the German army in Russia, they were the most vicious to the Russians. The Russians... It'll be a bloodbath. Well, you know, I have heard that, um, uh, and it, it sounds like you're more informed than I am on the Ukrainian situation. But what 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 I have heard is that um, they're taking this very seriously, and this is not. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and and they're willing to lay down their lives. And when you have a nation that is willing, that they're unified, and they're saying we are willing to lay down our lives for our freedom. Uh, that, is, that is strong. And, you know, that, that, kind of, that kind of thing can beat a superior equipped enemy. Just because, I yeah. mean, you've you got Russian soldiers there that say, what are we doing here? <laughs> when they start to yeah. see their, their buddies getting taken out by the Ukrainians, yeah. you know, they're going to say, wait, wait a minute. You know, for them, it's their it's their homeland. For us, it's some additional land that Putin wants to take back over to reestablish the old USSR. 
So it's going to be interesting yeah, well, to see what happens. The, the, Ukraine, the Ukraine was the breadbasket of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And it was also... It's uh, also a port. Within their borders, their, their resources, their, their natural resources and the reserves are the same, are huge considering the size of the country. Right. Well, also the fact so, that they've got a, a, a water port there, which is uh, something that uh, yeah. Putin wants. Them. Great insights, oh, yeah. David. Well, Thanks for the call. Five six one eight two five five. If you're on hold, hang in there. We've got to take a time out. Stay with us. Much more to come. Love to hear from you. Five six one eight two five five. News and views for a Friday. We'll be right back. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. When we are not covering Brandon's heroics, this uh, Brandon, she. What does he play? Well, Mr. President, they're not. Um... Folks, let's hear it for Brandon. What a job he's doing. Let's go, Brandon. Now back to news and let's news go, on 963 and 103.7. Welcome back. Yeah, and quick look at your weather forecast. Uh, mostly clear tonight, a little around 43. Tomorrow is the day. 70 degrees tomorrow and lots of sunshine. Sunday, a chance of rain. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? So it's going to start raining Sunday, and the low Sunday night is going to be back in the 20s. <laughs> the rain could change to snow before it ends. <laughs> so, yeah, what do they say? If you get tired of the weather, just wait a couple days, and it will change. It is February the 11th, 2022, 29 years ago today, 1993. Janet Reno was appointed attorney general by President Clinton. Janet Reno, the first female to hold that position, and she was probably the sexiest one, too. Uh, Not so much. 16 years ago, in 2006, Dick Cheney accidentally shot his quail hunting partner, 78-year-old Harry Whittington. He uh, did not die. That That was a bad day for Dick Cheney, but it was a worse day for Harry Whittington. Don't go quail hunting with Dick Cheney, <laughs> or Liz Cheney, for that matter. Five six one eight two five five. Let's go to Bob in Elizabeth City. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Doing well. Good to hear from you. Look, uh, I've called in uh, several times. I'm one of your biggest fans. I think you guys do a terrific job. First of all, I'm an independent voter. I'll make sure you know about that. Uh, you're talking about the situation in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. This is only my opinion. Only my opinion, of course is that there is no way in the world that Vladimir Putin is going to invade Ukraine while the Olympics are going on. It would make China lose face. And the Chinese uh, and, the, and the Russians are getting together, and President Xi and Vladimir Putin were together last week talking. Vladimir Putin is not going to slap President Xi in the face by starting this war now. My personal opinion is directly after the Olympics are over, there's going to be so much bad publicity about China, they're going to get really upset. And they are going to take Taiwan, and at the same time, Vladimir Putin is going to evade Ukraine. And unfortunately for us, we have, we have a, a president and staff who are totally inept, and I'm mm-hmm. very sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, you are uh, right on uh, on the latter part of them being inept, but I really like your um, your thought on that. I think that's a lot of validity there. I mean, you've seen Putin and Xi get together during the Olympics and shaking hand and trying to you know have a kumbaya fest and give the whole world the idea that they're they're great buds and they're working together. And uh, I think 
that is a very valid insight that, uh, you know, it's put it on pause during the Olympics, which, you know, is only going to be another couple of weeks. But um, I think that's well, the, a the good la- insight. The last, thing, the last thing that he would do is make the Chinese lose face because that's why the Chinese live their entire lives. They cannot stand to lose face. So that's what they do. At any rate, I wanted to thank you guys for all that you do, you and the other members of your staff. I've called in several times, and it's great to have the opportunity to be able to talk to someone actually that really cares about the country. My brother was killed in Vietnam. Mm. I support veterans. I also play in a band. We do quite a few concerts for veterans. And I want to let you know that I think what you're doing is a splendid job. Thank well, you so Bob, much. Bob, thank you, and thank you for uh, all the service you do to support the veterans. Appreciate that. 561-8255. Is it Craig or Greg? Craig. Craig and uh, Hubert? How you, sir? That's me. Hey, welcome yeah, in. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to hear from you. Hey, um, I'm a retired naval officer, and I have some little bit of insight into the port situation in Ukraine. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Again, yeah, go ahead. Well, they they have considerable shipbuilding capabilities there, and ship repair facilities there, and it's a warm water. Well, not really real warm water. But well, warm compared to the rest of Russia, it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they can use that as a warm water repair facility or even a shipbuilding facility but here's another part of the equation it's in the black sea who who controls entry and exit of the black sea it's turkey Hmm. so so now turkey might be compromised and we'll have to find out where their line where where their allegiance lies they they might decide well i'll go i'll stick with russia i mean they're mercenaries anyway. They don't. They'll, 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 they'll go wherever right. they want to. They, they don't care. So, so now we might be looking at a situation situation with Turkey. Yeah, you know, you begin to look at the dominoes falling, and uh, it it could get it could get ugly. I mean, you've you've got more insight on this than I do, but yeah, I mean, just as a you know, windshield glance at the situation, it doesn't look pretty, and it could uh, it could get ugly quick. Yeah, the Turkish are very territorial about the Black Sea. Hmm. Well, the Turkish are also capitalists. I mean, I, you know, I mean, they 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 are out to make money, and uh, the, you know, there's there's parts of the West that they like to be associated with. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, international companies in in Turkey and Istanbul, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what their response is. Do they want to get drug into this, or do they want to stay out of it? I mean, right yeah, now it looks like I mean they're they're uh, you know allowing Ukraine to come in and out of the Black Sea. You know, would they have the same attitude towards Russia, or do they just shrug their shoulders and say we don't really care? Well, I, I, I know as an American as an American ship getting in and out of there is a real pain in the you know what. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting you to, stuff. You have, to get Turk, you have to get Turkish permission to get in and out. Yeah. Greg, great insights. Thank you, sir. Five six one eight two five five. If you join us. Um, Interesting that while all this is coming out concerning uh, what's going on in Ukraine, uh, a number of media outlets are reporting on a article, I guess it was an interview, that uh, retired three-star general, Lieutenant General Greg Newbolt did with... Um, what was the name of the uh, publication? See if I can see it here real quick. Anyway, he he did this interview, and um, 
He came out and said in the interview that he is warned that the teaching of critical race theory, CRT, in the military divides soldiers by race, diminishes our war-fighting capabilities, and increases the likelihood of failure on the battlefield. He strongly criticized military leaders and civilian commanders who favor social engineering goals over the meritocracy and military preparedness. The tenets of critical race theory, a cross-disciplinary intellectual and social movement that seeks to examine the intersection of race and law in the United States, but which has the unfortunate effect of dividing people along racial lines, undermine our military's unity and diminishes our war-fighting capabilities, Newbolt wrote. Um, the, the, uh, this piece was in The Task and Purpose, a military publication, uh, came out yesterday. When we highlight differences or group identity, we undermine, co- undermine cohesion and morale. Failure results. The one thing that um, General, Lieutenant General Newbolt did not see in what I read, I didn't I get a chance to read the entire um, piece that he wrote, but I read extensively the articles about it. I didn't see anything in there. Um, well, his premise is that, guys, you're on the wrong track, that somehow, you know, you, you want the best for America, but you're not going to get it if you go on this track. And this is where I would disagree with um, the lieutenant general. I think this is what the people want. I think the people pushing critical race theory. Now, he does point out that, you know, this, this stems out of um, people that are Marxist. Well, what, what do the Marxists want? <laughs> and I mean, he does say, Newbolt, uh, he wrote back in July in The Federalist, our adversaries observe how social engineering has become deeply embedded in our military, and they conclude that we are weak, built on feet of clay. They lampoon and deride our silliness, and so do many of our own troops. When enemies read of male soldiers wearing pregnancy suits and high heels required sensitivity training, Emma and her two moms recruiting videos, safe spaces from the pressures of introductory training, the delusion of our ground combat forces and transgender special treatment, they judge these actions not by our standards, but by their own. I mean, exactly. I, I mean, the only way we're going to defeat the Russians if we come in battle with them when we have this sensitivity training and transgenders, and they'll be doubled over in laughter, laughing at us. But it's no laughing matter. The idea that we're that, that we're embracing CRT and social engineering, and we think that we're going to have a sound military, God help us. And I say that as a prayer. God help us. And we got this. We've got this president at the top that is is clueless. Is this all by accident? That we've got a clueless president. We've Why got, am I here? We've got a military leaders in our military, Millie and Austin, that are going along with this stuff. I mean, um, Newbold criticized both President Joe Biden and Chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff, Mark Milley, 
America's leaders suffering from, quote, warfare dementia. Forget the high casualties of war, quote, most assuredly will be paid in blood. The condition is exacerbated and enabled when the most senior military leaders, those who ought to know better, defer to the idealistic judgments of those whose credentials are either non-existent or formed entirely by ideology. Milley testified before Congress last year that U.S. soldiers should study CRT because, quote, I want to understand white rage, which he alleged fueled the D.C. riot last January the 6th, Anyway, his remarks drew instant backlash. J.D. Vance replied, I personally would like an American general to read less about white rage and more about not losing wars. Well said by J.D. Vance. But the uh, light that Newbolt is shining on here, I mean, we have a group in charge right now of our country and our military that wants to see it decimated. That wants to see it decimated. I, I, I can't come to any other conclusion. It is a sad state of affairs. Now, listen, I want to make it real clear. I mean, we've got a lot of military within our listening area. I'm not pointing the fingers at you at all. I'm pointing the fingers at the leadership that is undermining what you're trying to do. And the small minority of those that are very outspoken because the media is leading the parade, blowing the bugle for CRT and transgenderism and whatever. You, you name the, the social engineering that they're trying to, you know, the great reset. The only reset that's going to take place is we're going to have a military that's not capable of defending this country if we continue to go in the direction we're going. It's a sad state of affairs. We've got to take another time out. Stay with us. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. We'll be right back. Questions. Why? How? No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare. We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the what's, and the where's. Neighborhood by neighborhood. Literally knocking on doors. This is your worst nightmare. The nightmare. It would be a nightmare. Worst nightmare. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Explain to us. Because this. This. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. 21 minutes before the top of the. No, 24 minutes before the top of the hour. Um. We're talking about transgenderism. Did you hear that uh, earlier this week? I guess it was Tuesday night. Adele, the British uh, female singer, she won Artist of the Year at the Grammy Awards. And um, when she got up to accept her award, she said, I understand why they changed the name of this award from Best Female Slash Male Artist to the Artist of the Year. But she said, I really love being a woman, and I really love being a female artist. I'm really proud of us. I really am. She got slammed by the transgender community for saying, I really enjoy being a female. 
Man, talk about the Twilight Zone. The world that some people live in. So, uh, the Canadian truckers, Ontario Canada leader Doug Ford has declared a state of emergency over the trucker protest. Um, Apparently, he declared the state of emergency earlier today to the ongoing Ambassador Bridge blockade and the protest in Ottawa. And, um, you know, what's interesting, I mean, he is is talking about all kinds of uh, fines and penalties and confiscating trucks, jail sentences. It's interesting when when it's a conservative cause that are protesting, uh, it's an insurrection. When it's the liberals that are protesting, it's peaceful disobedience. Uh, Global News. I don't know if you heard this earlier this week. This actually happened a couple of days ago. Global News, which is a Canadian news service, reported this. Up in Ottawa, they called tow truck drivers to come in to start towing out the big rigs. And apparently there's a number of tow truck drivers in the city of Ottawa, according to Global News, that are on um, standby with the city. And so they come and do whatever the city asks them to do, and the city just cuts, cuts them a check at the end of the month for whatever work they do. So the city called, Ottawa called on their tow truck drivers to come in and start hauling out these big rigs. The tow truck drivers showed up, and they proceeded to park their tow trucks next to the big rigs and said, we're not t- telling them, we're joining them. <laughs> you can't make it up. Oh, my. It's it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch to see individuals taking back their country. Now, it's not an insurrection. They're not trying to overthrow the form of government. In fact, they're trying to go back to how the government is supposed to operate. But they'll call it an insurrection because liberals think it is an attack on them. And in a sense, it is an attack on them, but it's not an attack on the government. It's an attack on those individuals that aren't following the rule of law and are taking it upon themselves with executive orders to and unelected people like Fauci giving out these edicts that they have no authority or right to. Rand Paul told the Daily Signal earlier this week in a sit-down interview that he would support a United States Freedom Convoy, similar to what's happened in Canada. There are plans for American truckers to drive across the country. We talked about this yesterday, perhaps starting on Super Bowl Sunday in L.A. and coming back to uh, D.C. Paul said, I'm all for it. The possibility of that trucker convoy, civil disobedience, is a time-honored tradition in our country. From slavery to civil rights, you name it, peaceful protests, clog things up, make people think about the mandates. And again, the problem is when liberals do it, it is described as civil disobedience, a time-honored tradition. When conservatives do it, the progressives and the liberal media will label it as insurrection, which they've already done. That's exactly what MSNBC was doing earlier this week concerning the Canadian truck drivers. Paul went on to say, and some of this we started, we put COVID-19 mandates on truckers coming across the border from Canada 
So then they put mandates on, and the truckers are annoyed. They're riding in a cab by themselves, most of eight, ten-hour long hauls, and they just want to do their job. They, <laughs> it's their own business. Biden went out on a limb and accused Trump of being directly responsible for 300, 400,000 deaths. Well, now more people have died under Biden than under Trump. Is he going to accept responsibility for that, Paul added. The Department of Homeland Security issued an alert. A first U.S. Freedom Convoy could start Super Bowl weekend this Sunday in Los Angeles. Drive to D.C. Juliet Kayum a CNN analyst and Harvard professor. <laughs> she got, she got the double whammy. <laughs> She's a Harvard professor and a CNN analyst. How much more progressive could you think she can get? Uh, she tweeted authorities in Canada need to arrest drivers, slash their tires and empty the gas ta- tanks and put an end to the protest because they have turned into an economic and security issue now. So a liberal Harvard professor turned CNN commentator is now giving advice to the Canadian government, encouraging the destruction of personal property. Where was your advice, prof, when BLM and Antifa were looting and burning down cities a couple of summers ago? Where's your advice concerning the government taking away the law credentials of all these source-backed DAs who are causing all types of mayhem by not enforcing the law, acting as a law unto themselves. Again, I'm talking about, okay, people are protesting because these people in authority are not following the rules of law. That's exactly what these DAs are doing. These DAs are going around and saying, well, you know what? I am here to enforce the law like the attorney general, like Josh Stein is supposed to do when it comes to uh, the, the state legislature, late legislature creating election law. And what did he do last year when the state board decided under Mike, uh, Mark Ialis that they were going to change the rules after the election started? Josh said, that's fine. Your job is to enforce the law. Your job is not to put, carry the water for, for progressives or carry the water for the governor. And this is why people are getting upset, because you have all kinds of people like these source DAs who take it upon themselves and say, well, you know what? I don't think I like those laws. I think those laws are too stringent. I think those laws are racist. Therefore, I'm not going to enforce those laws. You have no authority to decide what you're going to enforce or what, what consider, well, you know, what's considered a felony. You're supposed to enforce the laws. You're not supposed to decide, I don't like that law, so therefore I'm not going to do my job. Wow. And that's why people are upset. That's why people are just saying, you know what? I'm protesting because nobody's following the law. And then these progressives say, oh, we, we, these guys are causing insurrections because they're trying to overthrow the government. No, they're trying to get you to go back and abide by the rule of law. Tom from Bellhaven's on the line. Hey, Tom. How you doing, bud? Good. A little fired up. You here. know, if these, <laughs> well, you got me fired up too, bud. And what I'm hoping is that these truck drivers that they're talking about starting this big convoy on the 13th will start by delaying the Super Bowl. 
I can't think of a better way to bring uh, attention to what is happening by blocking entrance and exit from the Super Bowl. Well, that would be interesting. Um, it, it would it would get some attention. I mean, I think you got both- people that spend six thousand dollars on a ticket, and they're not going to be upset that they can't go to their game. People that are, that are that are out there making these laws and rules, the president wouldn't be able to go, even though. He- well, you know the he thing. He probably won't. He probably won't even remember the score twenty <laughs> minutes after the game. But uh, well, the thing, come on, man. The thing you've got to be careful of here is that I mean, you want to get attention and you want to uh, do things in a certain way that uh, the leadership will say, you know what, we're losing this battle. But you don't want to lose the populace, and I'm not sure if what you're saying would would uh, get the the populace irritated at you well, i i don't you've know got, you've got a president with a 33 percent that's the last time i looked it was 33 percent approval it's rate. low it's that, low that tells me that tells me that americans most americans are fed up with it yeah well you and know it's, it's truckers it's, without these truckers we got nothing yeah oh yeah they're the pipeline yeah. they're the pipeline everything yeah. comes through yeah for sure so, well you know the other the other issue too <laughs> is uh they're saying that the enthusiasm for this year's Super Bowl is an all-time low. And listen, I don't think it's been – Los Angeles is a major market. Uh, Cincinnati, not so much so. But, I mean, you've got a Midwestern city going over to the West Coast. It's a hometown event. Uh, you know, they're ho- it turns out they're hosting it. But the enthusiasm apparently is not as strong as it's been in years past. That uh, And I, I think it's because of the – of all the you know social liberalism that's uh, taking place within the NFL, frankly. Well, I don't know if you remember. I told you this last election was the first time I've ever voted. Um, now that you mentioned, I do turn, remember you saying that. Yeah, just turned sixty-three, and because of a deep distrust of government and as a whole, tell me if you can, anybody out there, tell me why I should have confidence in our government right now. And I'll. Right now, it's an all-time low. I mean, I mean, it's it's sad, but I mean, the, the institutions that you thought, well, that's a no-brainer. I mean, you know, like the, the you know the institutions that represent medicine, the CDC, the yep. AMA, um, the FBI. That you know that was just cut, and and you know things that well, you knew you were going to get good service from the post office. <laughs> yeah. Not only can't you trust them, but you can't depend on them. No, you can't. I just thought I'd bring that up. And see yeah. if maybe. That'd be interesting, though, I yeah. think. Yeah. Hey, Tom, thanks for the call. we got to take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in at nine minutes before the top of the hour. Uh, a little bit of good news. How, how bad is it getting in L.A.? By the way, I understand they're spending millions of dollars cleaning up the mess in L.A. Uh, Venice Beach is suing los angeles because of all the homelessness there's now a uh, campaign to recall george gascon who's the district attorney in la uh desiree andrat whose 20 year old son died in a brutal attack back in 2018 said of the uh, da in a uh, interview with fox news that it bothers me because i'm not fighting about politics here i'm fighting about public safety and to me public safety does not see color it does not see politics gascon 
comes out and says of this recall campaign, he calls it a Trump-funded campaign. <laughs> but here's what's really interesting about this. The, the campaign, which they've raised some close to a million bucks, 800000 um, but they've also gotten about a million signatures on this. But people contributing to this recall campaign now includes all kinds of liberals from Hollywood. They finally realized that, you know what? If you want to go woke, if you want to go total progressive, total CRT, it's going to land on your front door. You're not going to be able to go out and be safe. I mean, there's, uh, you know, the, the murders that have taken place recently out there. I mean, uh, last uh, month you had the 24-year-old University of California college student. She lost her life. Um, the month before that, a well-known philander, philanthropist uh, lost her, the wife of a legendary music executive. I mean, these are, these are people that these, these Hollywood elites are familiar with. They're realizing, okay, um, I've got to walk out on the sidewalks where there's human poop, and I've got to walk around that, and I see people that I know losing their lives and getting mugged. I see a 24-year-old young lady lose her life in the middle of the day. And this guy's all about not enforcing the law. Um, Again, these are George Soros' people. Let's get rid of George. Let's get rid of him. Uh, You know, I've talked about this last couple of weeks, the number of individuals, liberal politicians, all across the country that are reading the poll numbers. And they're saying now that uh, they realize they're losing the battle. They're leading the progressive parade of liberalism concerning masking and mandating the vaccines and whatnot. And they're looking behind them as they lead this parade and nobody's following them. So suddenly it's instead of, uh, just sitting down and shutting up, they say, oh, oh, the parade's going in the other direction. I've got to go and get in front of that line and now say, I'm leading the parade that it's time to end all the mandates. Follow me. I'm important. But this is funny. The mayor of Boston, Democratic Mayor Michelle Wu, she decided instead of as many of the other liberals have come out, she did a Roy Cooper Now, this is Boston, Massachusetts. I mean, this is one of the liberal bastions in our country. She decided, no, I'm going to announce certain conditions that must be met before I'll lift any of these mandates. And, uh, you know, these, these arrogant liberals think that they're so popular and so important that everybody just loves them. It's going to follow them. And, you know, this is, this is the latest and the greatest. We're going to follow what you say. So she decided she was going to make her announcement on an Instagram live session. She makes the announcement, and then she says, oh, and by the way, I'd love to hear comments. Do you have any questions? And now if you're on an Instagram live session, you type out your question, and it appears on the screen. They had comments coming up on the screen, screen, and they were rolling up faster than you could read them. All of the comments, I mean, now there's a couple of that were, that were neutral, like, uh, you know, what do you think of Boston winners? But the vast majority of these comments were, Ms. Mayor, you're a moron. 
I kid you not. And this is Boston. Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, pray for our country. Pray for the situation in Ukraine. We don't know what's going to happen. I hope it's just a wag the dog, but uh, pray for our country. Hey, have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.